All right, guys, we're here with the We Make Supplements podcast. Today we have a very special guest. But first, we have my co-host, Sean Marzalek. That's close enough. <laughs> how, how am I supposed <laughs> to say it? Marzalek. Is that really how I'm supposed to say it? Eh. I've been saying Marzalek my whole life. I mean, people say it like three or four different ways, so I don't ever correct anybody. What's the, what's the origin? Uh, Czech. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay, but this name is a lot easier. Yeah. We have Dan Wiltrout, the VP of Manufacturing right here at SEC Nutrition. As in trout. As in trout. Like a fish. That's okay. right. A lot of high school <laughs> nicknames I got from that. <laughs> what were the good ones? I don't know if I can say them on this podcast. Well, I HR. think you can, man. Yeah. I think <laughs> you can. If Joe Rogan can do it, so can we. Uh, HR is gone, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, let's skip it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can see uh, the look in his face. It's uh, like the, the wheels are spinning uh, uh, next time. So, Dan, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, uh, yeah, I run the ca- uh, the contract manufacturing department here. So that includes everything from, you know, the very beginning of the process to the very end until we ship it. So uh, anything that's happening in between there uh, and at the beginning and the end is uh, I'm, I'm involved with that process. So... That includes uh, quoting, product development, um, communication with the customer, packaging, um, you know, coordinating with art department, marketing department, whatever they, whatever the customer needs. He sounds so excited as he describes it. Yeah. Doesn't <laughs> it? It's exciting. I mean, you, every single day you have like what fifteen people yelling at you that they want their product. Yeah, on a good day. <laughs> yeah. So I've actually known Dan for a little over eight years at this point, and yeah. I remember when we first met Dan, he came by. Uh, the Arnold, yeah, right, and we just kind of met each other at the bar or whatever it was at That's the Hyatt, right. and um, yeah, we're asking Dan, what are the MOQs, right? Because mm-hmm. our current manufacturer at that time was asking for something ridiculous, and we couldn't get anything done, and Dan pretty much told me what MOQs were, and I didn't understand any of it, mm-hmm. but could you give us some background because not everyone knows what an MOQ is, why an MOQ exists. Yeah, there's a yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, you know, why a manufacturer would establish a certain MOQ. I know here that you know we do it based. Our run sizes are based off of equipment efficiency. Basically, is is. I think we're skipping a couple steps. What does MOQ stand for, Sean? Oh, I'm sorry. Minimum order quantity. There we go. Yeah, hundred thousand bottles. Hundred thousand <laughs> bottles. <laughs> if only. Right? If only. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, minimum order quantity really revolves uh, around uh, equipment and capacity and efficiencies and things like that. So, um, for well, it ca- encapsulation, our MOQs are ninety thousand capsules, and we establish that based off of uh, you know a couple different things: blender capacity. We have two blenders in encapsulation, so um, that typically you know fills up at least one of the blenders. What, what the goal ultimately is to fill up a blender. So we're getting the most out of a blender and then also not to run something so small that once it hits a machine you hit the hit the start button and stop right away. Um, that's extremely inefficient because it takes just about as much time to do that as it does to run, you know, a a, a couple hundred thousand capsules. So there's not that much of a difference between, you know, if someone wanted to run a 20,000 capsules versus 100,000. There's a certain point in there where the machine's running fast enough that you know, saving a, a or finishing the run in, in, in an hour versus an hour and a half, we still have to do all the setup, cleaning, tear down, all those things combined take way more time than the run. So we want to get what we can out of the machine prior to moving on to the next product, if that makes sense. Okay, so trying to translate this to regular people, Sean, let me know if you think this translation works. All right, yeah, go ahead. So whether you're running 500 bottles or whether you're running 5,000 bottles or maybe even 10,000, the cost of cleaning the machine is the exact same. It, 
Yes, the cost is always the same to... to in, in between yeah. one formula to the next formula, you have to go through the process of cleaning every single aspect of that machine, every single part piece, every single part of it, right? And then you have to divide the cost of running that whole project, the labor, the cleaning, everything, against 500 bottles or 10,000 bottles. Yes. Okay. Does that make sense, Sean? Yeah, perfect sense. Okay. So why do manufacturers establish an MOQ? Is there a certain point where it just doesn't make sense to run? Is that what it is? Or if someone wants to pay $100 a bottle, like, well, I would say, charge them? I would say picture your kitchen at home, okay? So it, you have a small pot if you want to make. So, you know, you have a pot this big or a big stock pot. You can make three hard-boiled eggs in this little pot, and you can make it in the big stock pot too, right? But it takes just as much time to make them in either one but you rather clean the little one when you're done versus the big one. Is that a is that a is that a somewhat well, I mean, decent if you're analogy? Do, if you're gonna do an egg you know, analogy, I think I got a better one, right? <laughs> okay. So All right. if you ha- if you have this small pot at your house, right? <laughs> and you have a large pot at your house, you could cook three eggs hard boiled in the small pot, right? And you can cook maybe fifteen hard boiled eggs in the big pot all in the same time. So you'd much rather set up the pot, add the water, cook the eggs, and have 15 at the I, end of it than three. I think that's what I was trying to say. He just did a I think a Sean just wants 15 eggs. Better job of it, yeah. No, <laughs> I want 15 eggs. You got me started down the road. I mean, I knew where you were going with it, and I knew where you didn't finish it, so I just took it. That's all. All right, so and we're talking about putting eggs and, and heart, you know, and boiling water and so on and so forth, right? But let's yeah, talk we've, about, we've lost everybody at this uh, point. Let, let's go back to actual <laughs> supplements, right? So... Uh, I mean, I walked into the back into the where all of our ingredients are stored and like, oh, my God, there are so many different ingredients. And when I was running my own brand, I think one question I had was like, why is the price constantly fluctuating? Where are you guys getting these ingredients from? How do you guys go about quoting? I think people at home have no idea how a manufacturer quotes products. Can you guys elaborate? Yeah, I mean, I can get started. I'm sure Dan could jump in as well. But I mean, we're sourcing raw materials from all over the world to begin with. And a lot of the materials do fluctuate in price from the actual grower, say it's a plant-based extract, uh, or if it's a commodity like whey protein. I mean, these prices are fluctuating all the time on a raw material. So when we pay for a raw material in January, we might pay a different price for that same raw material in May, right? So as those things fluctuate, now you're trying to, you're trying to quote out a product taking those things into consideration, right? So you're not every time a customer orders changing the price on them. So you try to get a feel for those ingredients that are in the product and then kind of get a a price point that you know is not going to fluctuate too much. But sometimes you can't avoid it and a raw material goes way up um, for whatever reason. I know at times there were, you know, a lot of conflicts in, in North Africa where cocoa was coming from, right? So cocoa, prices of cocoa went up. So all of a sudden when you're buying the raw material at a much higher price, then you've got to adjust the pricing on the customer at times. And usually you can get on a phone with them and explain, and it's usually something that is public, kind of like the Chinese tariffs, right? Everyone's aware that these tariffs were imposed. And if you're watching any news whatsoever, you see you see this thing happening, and obviously it affects someone. And in a certain case, it affects us and, and the consumers and even the, um, the brand owners, obviously. Yeah, and there's kind of two levels of that. One, you know, one is the the herbal stuff that Sean was referencing. A lot of that stuff doesn't fluctuate too much, or, you know, at any given time, the, you know, this one material might fluctuate by a couple dollars. Another one, you know, goes the other way a couple dollars. So things usually balance out for most products. Um, but sometimes there are big impacts, like there was flooding in Madagascar. Vanilla went through the roof, so vanilla flavoring went through the roof. So we had a big disparity in yeah, cost of 
of products that were flavored with vanilla. Um, those kind of things happen. And then when you're talking about commodities like milk, things that are traded, you know, like like that on that scale, um, that's just a you know that's just a worldwide price where everyone's paying basically the same. Uh, so you know, if milk goes up, whey goes up. So protein pricing can increase, and that's usually something we at least get some kind of a notice of. But uh, so when you give a customer a price, how how long is that price good for? If we're concerned about it about it not being good, we'll always disclose to them that you know this is this is an estimate. Um, at the given time of the order, it could change. But typically, a quote's going to hold for. I, we don't we don't always put a you know a a, a month or, or week timeline on it, but I, we can typically hold a quote for ninety days without without there being a big risk of it changing. But it's probably more often than not that a price doesn't really fluctuate too much over the course of a year. Typically, no. Okay. Yes. All right. So. There are all sorts of ingredients back there, right? I mean, I think there's got to be thousands of ingredients. Every single part of the process, the bottles, the caps, the little fillers that go in there, the actual ingredients, the scoop, if it's like a protein product or something like that. How do you go about coding it? Is there like an app? Is there is there a file? Is there a program? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, I think every manufacturer is probably different, but I mean, here we have a custom quoting tool where you know it pulls all the ingredients from our from our database and the current costing on them uh, and we're able to build those into into a system to kind of get us what our cogs are or our prices for the product to actually make it which then we can translate into uh, a customer quote okay I mean, that's pretty straightforward. So we're not yeah. writing it on a napkin is my point, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I remember, I remember calling Dan back in the day, being like, hey, Dan, why, why I don't I have, have this quoted yet? I have done quotes off of, off of napkins. <laughs> <laughs> our new way is much better. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So uh, we had a, a buddy, my creative director, on, uh, on one of the earlier podcasts, and there was a story about you, Dan, <laughs> that this man brought up. And it had to do with the, a certain ingredient that apparently you um, were testing out in your, your earlier youth yeah uh, it was called niacin yeah <laughs> so um i mean we have to hear, hear the story common ingredient um you know i i when i was younger my in my quest for uh, paper thin skin and um skin tearing vascularity and uh, whatever i could do to look better in the gym was uh was that was my main focus in life because that journey's over now well, it's knocked down a few notches. You know, okay. I got kids and a family and everything. But, I, you know, I'm still there a little bit, but maybe not this extreme. But anyway, someone had told me about <clears throat> niacin, which is vitamin B3. Everyone is familiar with that. Uh, there's two. There's more than two, but there's two main types of vitamin B3. One's niacin. One is niacinamide. Niacinamide is the more commonly used ingredient because it does not cause flushing, but niacin does. So... This What's flushing, Dan? So this, Explain to people that don't know. Well, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't really know all the science behind it, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's kind of, it, it. from what I understand, it just kind of, you know, opens up, uh, it dilates blood vessels and kind of flushes blood. Give you that tingly feeling? Blood to the skin, yes. So yeah. kind of like a beta alanine. More people listening to us are probably more familiar with that. Um, this is a very similar to that. feels a little bit different, but... Basically, what, hap- what, can, what can happen is the more you take, and certain people are more sensitive to it than others, you will get this flushing sensation where blood is, you know, is drawn to your skin. And then uh, what, the reason I was interested in that is because I thought maybe I'll take this before arm day and I will <laughs> rip my T-shirt sleeves right off my body mid-rep. That was what so, I was so saying. So what happened? <laughs> so 
if, if you know anything about it, you can get this sensation anywhere. I mean, some people are super sensitive, can maybe get the sensation around 30 milligrams. Most, peop- most people will get it about 100 to 150. Well, I took a gram. <laughs> I bought wait, these- wait, hold on. Let's just make sure the math here. So you said 30 to 100 milligrams. Yes. But you took a full gram. Yeah. Okay. And I was in the industry at the time. I didn't like take this out of the back and scoop it and weigh it. I actually bought this product online. I don't know why. I think I like desperately wanted to try this on Friday and overnight it on Thursday or something. That's probably what I was thinking at the time. Whatever it takes. <laughs> and uh, I took a gram and it was, it, this was a tablet. So it wasn't happening quick enough. I wasn't feeling anything. So before I left, I, I took the tablet. I got ready to leave to go work out. Nothing was happening, so I took another one. No, no, no. Stop. 2,000 milligrams at this point. That's right. Your system. Oh, my I God. I took two. Um, about 10 minutes apart. So as I'm taking the second one, the first one, I was starting to get this sensation. And, um, man, I looked great for like 30 seconds, okay? I was, <laughs> I was bright red and just the roadmap veins the everywhere. real, son. It was insane. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I felt like I was going to – I felt like I was going to, you know, just – tear through my skin and that lasted about 30 seconds and then I got just terribly sick I mean I every symptom you can imagine I had it all at once I was cold sweats lightheaded uh I was hot but cold I was you know sweating but I was freezing and uh I mean I I, I took a hot shower then a cold shower then a hot shower then a cold shower then I sat in the bath the hot bath and then I jumped out and was uh uh, overheating and then I got uh, terribly cold and uh, what ended up happening was after after all these symptoms and some other things that happened that I would rather rather not talk about on the podcast <laughs> other symptoms I mean I'm talking everything in the book I was I was this close to going to the ER I basically curled up on my couch with a, a space heater blowing on me at full speed with a therm a blanket that you plugged into the wall and it was you know like a like an electric heating blanket with a uh in a full sweatsuit, hoodie up, with that on, full blast, space heater, full blast, and was shivering. <laughs> Fell asleep at about 8 p.m. and woke up the next day at about 10 a.m. Felt great. Did, did you Google anything to see like yeah. what was going to possibly happen to you? Yeah, I was. Uh, I think I was very. I was very close to the dose that would that could potentially cause liver failure. So I thought maybe that was happening. But then, before I could think about it more, I passed out and woke up and was fine. Is there like a, a place on the web that you could go to to find out like how much you should not be taking of these types of ingredients? Yeah, Google. Just yeah, any <laughs> WebMD. Like, just... don't you don't need to look that hard. Okay, uh, I did not look at all, or I would have known. <laughs> but you don't need to look that hard. Uh, I looked after the fact. Have you? Um, when was so, this? How long ago? This was two thousand and uh, I think this was two thousand ten, two thousand nine. Okay. Have you learned your lesson? Yeah, I think I tried it again and dialed back the dose and was mildly uncomfortable, but results were okay. Sean, I don't even know what to say. I mean, have you ever had an experience like that? Uh, no. No. <laughs> I usually look at, you know, serving size, how many servings per day, and then any warnings on a bottle before I take it. <laughs> so you actually read the label. Yeah, okay. yeah. Did this product have like a warning? What we really need to, yeah, what we really need to ask ourselves is what, what, I don't know. How was I able to get one gram niacin tablets? Well, yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> was it for right? humans? Did you like buy something was, for horses? It was. No, it was, it was, it was definitely not it like a research some, like, chemical. crazy Chinese website no. that you had to buy it from? No, I remember. It's, I, what, I, what if somebody was, called us right now and said, hey, we make supplements. Uh, I'd like you to make me a one gram uh, niacin capsule. 
what would you say to them? Like, are we allowed to do it? Would you have to look into it? Would you just not recommend it, but it's legal? Like, no, we'd quote them out. Put a put a no. We would definitely. I would definitely notify the customer that had concerns about a potential flushing. I, you know, it, the products are out there, so I they're available to Graham. I mean, I I would definitely warn the customer, but you know, I, I'm sure we would have to get. So do you? Do you I'm do sure that we would have to get QA involved to make sure that that was something that we would that we are. So do you we do that a lot? Risk. Like whenever a customer calls and says, "Hey, I have this great formula idea," and starts talking to you about it and like yeah, so, help navigate that yeah so if, so if someone wanted to you know if someone to formulate a multivitamin and ask for some outrageous amount of uh iron, iron yeah that's yeah iron is a good example you, you know you can uh you can have severe issues if you take too much iron especially over the course of time as it builds up and things yeah we would definitely note flag it and explain to them why they should not put this much iron in a product and, and steer them away from that Gotcha. Encore. Something like a B vitamin, though, except niacin. Uh, we would not typically worry about that. I mean, you see those super dosed all the time for various reasons, but they're water soluble. There's no issue there. So, yeah. um, you know, we, I, I, I have a, enough general knowledge in, in most ingredients that could be an issue to yeah, try to steer someone away from doing something like that. Yeah, so so Dan's the expert in the formulas. Uh, you're kind of the well, not kind of. You are the packaging expert. You know, I mean, a lot of people look to you. This uh, is true. And the and no, they do. I mean, I, I mean that with all sincerity. Everyone that sees any packaging you do says like that's top level stuff. So we have customers that call and ask us about formulas and stuff. Uh, a lot of times they'll call and ask about you know branding and supplement facts and different things like that. I mean when you're thinking about putting a brand on the shelf and you're thinking about doing the artwork and how that's going to be uh, seen by the customer and what's going to make it pop on the shelf, walk us through like that process in your mind and, and what you go through to kind of really get packaging to stand out for somebody. Yeah, for sure. So I think the biggest uh, pet peeve I have right now when it comes to packaging is that you look at a bottle, you don't even know what it is, right? There's some crazy colors on it. There's some crazy name for it, but like, what is it? Is it a protein? Is it a BCA? A, is it, is like a pre-workout. You, you don't have a clue sometimes. Ox. It's like ox yeah, pre-workout. We, we, have, we have that product called Ox, and I was just like, no uh, longer, yeah, <laughs> no longer. I, I don't know what this is if yeah. it's on the shelf, right? But the reality is, is that I think in today's market, if you're not really upfront um, on the package, like within the first three seconds, that the person knows exactly what it is, exactly what it's going to do for you, people aren't going to buy it, right? Whether it's being sold on social media, whether it's on a retail shelf, whatever. Um, I mean, me personally, I, I think I go into this weird space in my mind where I'm like looking at a black silhouette of a bottle and um, I'm just trying to pretend like I'm Iron Man and I'm, you know, talking to Vision and I'm just like swiping things left and right, figuring out what it is that I want to put on their package. Finally, you can kind of do that in Photoshop a little bit. But uh, once it all starts coming, this to, is this not to interrupt. This is the in the lab mindset, this right? Is the in the la hashtag in the lab. <laughs> yes, yes. Circa 2005 when that first started. Yeah, sorry, Dr. Dre thought he started that. That was not the case. <laughs> I was the first one to use this on social media when Facebook first came out. Um, that's right, Mark. When Facebook first. So came a perfect out. example wow. would be when you came here to SDC Nutrition, and we have you know our manufacturing business. Um, and you said, hey, what does SDC stand for? Which, you know, it was a corporate umbrella company, you know, 11 years ago when we found it. It didn't really mean anything because we were running the About Time brand initially as the main business. And you said, well, what do we do here? And I said, well, we make supplements. And you said, that's what we're doing. We make supplements. And you kind of started changing the whole branding on the company. I like instantly went like to GoDaddy. instantly told people what we did. Yeah, I went to GoDaddy.com. 
I'm like, is WeMakeSupplements.com available? It was. I'm like, all right, this is perfect. This is our new slogan. I was like, let's trademark this right away. We're going to start a podcast in a year with this name. Um, so why, why do you think when something is so obvious that brand owners or company owners um, don't even see something that's so obvious? Like, we make supplements. Like, that's what we do. Why would we not tell people that in our name or branding? I think brand owners are so caught up on trying to create some notoriety with what they do. They forget that consumers are they're confused sometimes with what's going on. I remember when we first started Shreds, all the different products had different names, right? So there's Shreds for the fat burner. Diesel was our test booster. I don't know if you remember that, Dan. Oh, yeah. It took nine months to get my product, but you got it to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Vitamin Z was our multi, right? But at the end of the day, we ended up switching the, the whole brand name to Shreds, right? And then we just started naming the product Burner, um, Test, so on and so forth. At the end of the day, the, con- the consumer has to know what they're getting. Yeah, right? and just people makes perfect sense. People are trying to get that notoriety, and and sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Yeah, that was in an oblong bottle. That's why it took nine months for the record. <laughs> hey, figure out how to Dan run those. bought the, the machine or the part of the machine and figured out how to do square bottles. <laughs> it, it was it was innovative for its time. It was, especially in Pittsburgh. Yeah, we, that machine is now here at SDC. Yeah, we can run oblong bottles here. Yeah, yeah look at we that. Prefer not to. <laughs> if Bernie's listening, our production manager, we 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 don't want to do those bottles, but oh man. Well, we are hitting our limit for today. Do you guys have any final words? No, I think this was good. It was good uh for people to get to meet Dan and kind of see, you know, uh a little bit of the process as far as quoting and the ingredients and how we kind of come up with that process and who's behind that process here and um so and then obviously a lot of good insight on the branding and packaging and telling customers what do you do we make supplements podcast <laughs> try to pull open that curtain a little bit right so people understand well dan thanks for being part of the podcast today yeah everyone will see you guys next week all right thanks <laughs>